Hey guys, Bill here. Thank you very much for checking out a podcast, another podcast. Quick, let me dive right into this mention, uh, this shout out. Iron Asylum, located on KB Road. They are the finest gym in all of the peninsula. In fact, even the world. If you are looking for a place to work out anywhere in the world, and you're like, man, what is the best gym I can go to? Iron Asylum. Look them up, Iron Asylum AK. You can find them on Facebook. You can also find them on Instagram. They might even be on Twitter. Not 100% sure. I'll let you know the next time whether or not they're on Twitter because that's really not as big a deal. I would say that Instagram and Facebook are probably way more valuable, especially for a powerlifting gym that hosts seminars from the uh, from the bench master, the bench king, uh, the guy with the greatest bench uh, of all time at 308, Mr. Ryan Canelli, who just had a seminar at Iron Asylum. That's how awesome they are, all right? If you are uh, interested in lifting, they are the place for you to go. All right, so this podcast was recorded a week ago roughly a week ago, with Adam Hoover. And the reason we couldn't release it was because Adam was one of the judges for the Cannabis Cup. So we couldn't really dive into too much of that, but he kind of explained how the judging was based really on integrity. So he dove into that. Now, the really, really cool thing about this is that going into this uh, podcast, which was recorded prior to the Cannabis Cup, he gave a uh, prediction. And that prediction was that the AK Canada dudes were going to sweep the Cannabis Cup. Now, they didn't quite sweep it, but shout out to Ryan Walker. He did come in second for concentrates. There also uh, a Canada dude won for best topical, and there there were some more in there. Um, I'll get the full rundown, the full skinny on that as we get back into the week. Now, let me say that since this podcast was recorded, some things happened in the news that we didn't address in this podcast, and it seems like this would be the opportune time for me to kind of address them. The number one thing, since the last time we spoke, Alex Jones was deplatformed on YouTube, on iTunes, on Spotify, on Facebook, and recently Vimeo. As of recording, he is still on Twitter because he hasn't violated their terms of services. Now, in the next podcast, we'll we'll kind of get into that issue with a guy by the name of Mark Tyler. Mark Tyler, uh, Mark Tyler has been on the podcast before. He is the owner of Red Run Cannabis Company. He's also uh, the the guy who runs AK Hardware in Kenai, and we kind of address that a little bit in that podcast. Also, a groundsman at SeaTac stole a plane and crashed it, proving once again you can learn all you need to know for just about any job off of the internet. I'm fairly certain that my son, uh, my 13-year-old boy who spends a lot of time on flight simulators, now feels confident that he can fly a jetliner. And, you know, you can't buy that kind of confidence. Also, uh, Omarosa. Omarosa of The Apprentice, who went on to work in the White House and recorded conversations with uh, General John Kelly and President Trump, unbeknownst to them. She also recorded, and, and by the way, I, you know, 
people record conversations all the time, but she had a cell phone. She was recording on a cell phone from the Situation Room in the White House, which is the most secure of secure locations. You are not – I'm positive not supposed to bring a cell phone in there, just like any military skiff that you go into. Now, skiffs are secure facilities that – you are not supposed to bring a cell phone into. If you bring a radio in, uh, like a like a two-way radio, you got to take the battery out of it. You know, you got to do all kinds of, of really secure procedures when you're going into a place like that. So it was definitely, uh, from my opinion, a violation of national security to say the least. However, that being said, she raised a lot of questions. She said a lot of things. One of the things that she said was that NBC had a tape of the president dropping the N-bomb during a taping of The Apprentice. Now, let me say that living in the in the post-grab-em-by-the-pussy world, I think it's safe to say that if there was audio of the president dropping the N-bomb, then that audio would have been released before he was elected president. All right. That's just my take, but it could exist. It it really absolutely could exist. And if it does exist, we'll know about it really, really, really soon. All right. So this podcast right here, we sat down with Adam Hoover of the AK Canada Dudes, and we discussed kind of what goes into the AK Canada Dudes, how they went from a Facebook group to a group that got together some uh, of the uh, the finest uh, local cultivated stuff and submitted it to the High Times Cannabis Cup and won some stuff. That's pretty cool. All right, ladies, gentlemen, here we go. World famous Trap Lord Circuit. Take it away. Sitting down with Adam Hooper of AK Canadudes. Good afternoon, Adam. What up? All right. So, what are the AK Canadudes? Basically, the Canadudes is. I mean, it's a Facebook group, really, but it consists of uh, cultivators, extractors, all walks of the cannabis industry. Okay. Now, when you say extractors, you're, you're talking about people that are making concentrates? Concentrates, yeah. Okay. How did you get involved? Uh, I mean, I created the group, so that was how, <laughs> that's how I became involved. <laughs> I made it. But what, uh, what was the motivation for it? So, yeah, I mean, basically, there's a pretty popular local Facebook group called Alaska Cannabis Review, and uh, most... Most of the people that are heavily involved in the local cannabis industry are some, they're either a member, active or not, of that group, for the most part. Uh, so just through being in that group and commenting and uh, seeing what was happening in the industry a little bit, I realized that there was an all-female cannabis group 
called the Alaska Canicuties. And so once I realized that, uh, I immediately assumed that there was already an all-male group, uh, and I was deeply, deeply hurt that I wasn't a member of it. <laughs> so I started making posts trying to see where was this group to see if I could get in it. Uh, and after probably a day or two, couldn't find nothing, nobody all. And I, I'm really close friends with most of the people that are at the head of the industry as far as quality standards go. So I thought for sure I would know someone who would have at least been in the group. But nobody that I knew knew anything about an all-male cannabis group, so I decided to make one. All right, standing up for male rights. Right, absolutely, equal rights. Well, let's let's go, let's go back to the the quality. Like you've been involved sure. in the the quality of cannabis. How do you how did you get involved with that, and what exactly does that mean? Uh, I mean, basically, that's just it's going to vary from person to person. For me. The, the quality standard came in just as a part of life because I grew up in a house full of cannabis. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, I guess the biggest thing that instilled the importance of quality was just the fact that I saw my father emphasize it so much, really, is, is the biggest thing. Uh, I just, I saw with my own eyes at a very young age, just witnessing uh, conversations and seeing different things. And then as I, you know, obviously became a young adult, uh, things were explained to me in more detail as far as like what, what made a cannabis product higher quality than something else, you know, as far as the cure or cannabinoid content, uh, just stuff like that. How many of those things, though, can you can you really tell just using, you know, like, for your advice? And obviously, you're not hearing your cannabis, but just, like, sight, smell, uh, taste. I mean, so, yeah, really, really, the, it's it's a combination of, of every aspect that you can get from the cannabis. So, that's looking at it, smelling it, touching it, tasting it, consuming it. All of those things play into the level of quality its effects uh, so I don't know I just I, I probably am, some people might think I'm like a weed snob or something I really don't think I am I honestly uh, a lot of people that don't know me personally and only see like social media or whatever probably uh, make a lot of assumptions but I mean I'm I'll fucking smoke a roach off a soda can too you know what I mean I'm not, I'm not that proud like I'll, I'll do whatever I ain't scared. I like to do hood rat shit too, <laughs> but but I do know the difference. You know what yeah. I mean? That's the thing. I know that the roach on the soda can is not top shelf. You know, I know that. Uh, yeah, it just is what it is. I think a lot of people who are in the cannabis industry now, here in Alaska at least, anyways, uh, just grew up or were taught different standards were acceptable, you know what I mean? Something that I would consider mid-grade or low-shelf quality uh, is just accepted as like the norm, like the standard, like that's what cannabis should be. Whereas like, to me, that's that's like a, I mean, it's like, uh, like you didn't meet your goals, you know what I mean? Like I can understand there, obviously there's gonna be cannabis like that, but that shouldn't be like 
the standard. That should be what people are shooting for, you know what I mean? That should be like a, oh darn, let's like discount this because it's mids, you know? Uh, but it's, it's tough. It's tough to have a high standard and also not offend people who don't. You know, that's a, that's a tough one for me personally, just because I, it's hard for me to try to say uh, that I have the ability to tell someone that their weed isn't good. You know what I mean? I don't like to hurt people's feelings or I don't ever intentionally want to make someone feel bad or like they're not good enough at what they do, right? Yeah. But um, at the same time, I feel like it's not fair to cannabis consumers to be brought up in that low standard, you know what I mean? Uh, to not be able to really appreciate high quality cannabis for what it is. Okay. So for um, for retail uh, consumers, like myself, I'm, I'm a retail consumer. I, I, I like going to the stores or something I get out of that. I like, sure. Yeah. I, I, I like supporting my friends. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, but if someone's not used to that, like how do they, I mean, should they just trust their <coughs> bud tender or, I mean, I, in my experience, the, the bud tenders, at least around here, seem to know what the fuck they're talking about. For the most part, yeah. I mean, more than the average person. I mean, we live, <laughs> we live in the age of internet. Uh, so, I mean, really you can find any information yeah. that you're willing to do some research and sort through bullshit for, and you can learn a lot before you ever even step foot in a store on your own. So uh, is that what you would recommend, just going on and, and looking at I mean, I recommend that for anyone doing anything, really, in life. Just before you take action, maybe, like, do a little bit of research. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> just save yourself some time and trouble. But, yeah, I mean, for someone who has never been to a retail cannabis shop and they want to go out and check one out and buy something uh, and don't know what to look for in the store go look up the different kinds of cannabis products and what their effects are and think about what you want so that when you do walk in there, you, you at least have an idea of what you're going to ask the person behind the counter, you know, what you are looking for. Yeah. Or, I don't know, some people some people just like to go in and have someone tell them things, you know. So yeah. people like to do that too. But I, you just got to be careful because it's just people, you know. Uh, it's just a person behind the counter. It's not anybody who has any kind of specific degree in anything or someone who knows you well enough personally to know what your needs are or it could be 50-50 you know well I think that's uh, you know, a, a part, probably a part of the reason that uh, I mean I don't have a, a handle scar I'm not a retailer but you guys can't give like medical advice right For sure, a bartender yeah. is not allowed to give medical yeah. advice to um, it's just like people forbidden yeah, uh, and which I, so I guess that uh, that makes sense. But are you allowed to like could a person give off resources, you know, for information? <coughs> uh, I mean, you really have to be careful, even giving out uh, medical like resources. Like, like this is a website. Da, 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 da. Gotcha. Right. Um, now, what, what about some of the other resources that people use in the cannabis industry? Like one of my favorites is Weed Maps. Weed Maps and Leafly and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean those are all good resources. If if nothing else, just to try to get a base of information for someone who doesn't have that. Uh, I mean, like Leafly is a really good resource for me a lot of times because I don't like to pay attention for. Uh, to genetic lineage and stuff like that. So it's great to just be able to go like a couple clicks away 
and have answers for people who want to know like what crosses are, what's made of what, or stuff like that. But I mean, again, too, that's a lot of the descriptions of effects of cannabis strains and, uh, and a lot of stuff like that. I don't know, a lot of people may not agree with me and I'm sure a lot of people really believe what they believe, but I think a lot of that shit is like reading a horoscope, you know what I mean? Like, it, it really is, like, uh, even as far as just indica and sativa effects and, I mean, I understand there is some science behind it and certain strains probably have a, a, a higher capacity to have certain effects but there's so many variables you know what I mean and there's so much stuff at play just in the plant alone there's a lot of variables and then there's exponential variables in the person who's consuming them and, and how it's going to affect them so it's really hard for someone to just say this is going to do this for you I don't know I don't really buy it I'm of the mind to to try a few things and figure out what works through experience personally, probably. So if we could backtrack to the can of dudes, you guys sure. are stepping into the High Times Canvas Cup 2018, Alaska's Super stoked about yeah. it. <laughs> How many entries uh, do you guys have? Uh, so, okay, so first of all, so I don't get yelled at by anyone, it, the, the booth is a split between the AK Canna Dudes and the Alaska Canna Cuties. So it's not just a dude's booth, it's half and half. Okay. Uh, thank you, thank you, Cuties. Yeah, of course, cuties. yes, absolutely. Uh, between all of us, we were able to submit eight entries. Okay. Yeah, into the hybrid flower category, hybrid concentrates, topical, edible, and a sativa flower. Okay. Yeah. Um, now, uh, are any of yours, uh, any of your submissions, are any, are any of those yours? No, none of the submissions are my, my personally made or grown products. Nope. Are you involved in judging or? Uh, yeah, I guess I could say. As long as this, as long as this program doesn't air until after the event, uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, w I was limited. So, uh, despite what some people might think about High Times being like uh, shady or rigged or anything like that, they're super strict about uh, who is judging and who gets to judge what. And uh, I mean, of course, it all it, it all hinges on everyone's integrity. You know yeah. what I mean? I was super honest and disclosed all of my industry affiliations. Uh, so it really limited my judges kit down to what they could give me to judge, you know what I mean? Because I was personally involved with so many people entering things in different categories. Okay. Uh, but they do have that process in place, you know what I mean? They do screen every single judge for affiliations to entries to make sure that there's no conflict of interest or anything. I would imagine that's got to be a real, uh, like a, a true issue, that, that, that at least enough that they've got to bring it up and make it oh, part for of the sure. questionnaire. Oh, I'm sure, yeah. Uh -huh. So what, what got you involved in the cannabis industry? Honestly, just a passion for cannabis. I mean, uh, I grew up here in Alaska and cannabis was just part of life. Like, uh, you know, my earliest memories uh, as a child before I can remember like riding a bike or anything like that. I remember like walking through the garden and seeing plants everywhere and the smell of cannabis. And uh, I just grew up in cannabis. So your father was a, a cultivator? 
Uh, yeah, he was a black market grower. Yep. Was, uh, were you ever, I mean, as a kid, were you ever worried about getting raided? Was that a fear that your dad had? Or uh, I mean, <laughs> so... Yeah, I don't know how much you want to talk about. Yeah, no, it's, I'll disclose everything. I have no, no issues. Uh, in, the, in the younger years, uh, honestly, that was never really, I never really comprehended how illegal a lot of it was, you know what I mean? Or yeah. how, how bad it could have been, I guess, if, if uh, the cops showed up or, or whatever. Uh, as we got older, my dad got busted for growing three times. Uh, so, I mean, at, you know, after the first time of, like, having to deal with police and understanding, like, repercussions of what was going on and uh, starting to understand a little bit more about the risks of, of what was happening... Uh, yeah, it was definitely a fear, for sure. I have I acquired some charges of my own, most definitely. I was looking at 20 years when I was uh, 22. So looking at doing 20 years just for cultivating and for, uh, being for, in possession. For weed? Yeah, for cannabis. Yep, I had uh, four Class C felony charges for uh, cultivating over 125 plants and for... Possessing five pounds or more processed cannabis, and uh, they tried to pin me with transportation and for maintaining a building to cultivate. Yeah, uh, so to make that story real short, sum it up, all my charges were dropped. Uh, the investigator who was. Um, Investigating? Yeah, right. The, the, the person who was leading the investigation. Uh, was a super corrupt and shady individual uh, from the, the Matsu narcotics investigation team. And the judge, uh, I guess, wasn't as corrupt because he obviously saw the inconsistencies and the things the guy was saying. And he, when he started to kind of... Uh, I went to court several times. That was my first time ever wearing a suit uh, when I went to court for my, my charges. Uh, and I got to watch the investigator try to backpedal and explain himself to the judge once he got caught up in a couple of inconsistencies and uh, he had to bring in his field notebook the judge made him bring it in and two days later and uh, when he brought it in the judge saw that he had obviously adulterated a lot of notes and whited things out and changed stuff and uh, his whole field notebook was uh, dismissed as evidence wasn't able to be used and so they didn't have enough information to try to bring any charges without that and so all of our charges were dropped uh, myself, my father, and uh, his girlfriend at the time, who was the owner of the property, we were all all being charged. Yeah, so, I mean, it worked out pretty good for all of us, thank God. Uh, Dad was able to walk away from that one with nothing, but for the other two, he, he honestly, he was really lucky. I think the fact that he was a disabled vet and that he didn't have a normal job and literally was not allowed to have a normal job but still was supporting uh, three kids on his own as a single father probably helped him a little bit. And shout out to Mr. Hoover. Uh, right. Uh, but he just got community service for, for his other. Did he run the community garden? Uh, no. So I and, on, and I helped him with his community service. We went to the Kinnick Museum. And uh, we went down there, we repainted all of their signs and their building front and all that stuff. It took us almost all summer, but we logged, I think, over 600 hours of uh, community service. Does, uh, does your father give you any grow tips? Um, I mean, my whole life growing up was just grow tips. Uh, 
Yeah, I mean, most of the stuff by the time I was a young teenager was just common sense to me as far as uh, ideal growing conditions and, uh, you know, processing procedures and stuff like that was just... It was just the norm and it wasn't really, I don't know, it wasn't anything that I really shared with any, like my friends at school or, uh, it wasn't anything, back then the cannabis industry wasn't big, uh, a big network like it is today with the internet, social media, a lot of people were really quiet, didn't talk about things and, uh, super secretive and even as a kid I understood that, so, uh. Yeah, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't something that we talked about outside the house a lot, but at home it was just, that was the norm. Everybody kind of had to uh, pull their weight in the garden. Um, I mean, obviously the, the threat of being raided is gone, but I mean, like, are you, what are your concerns going forward? Oh man, I mean, so much has changed since those days. Uh, I don't think there's really a threat. If 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 someone's worried about being raided today, it's probably because they have a huge black market operation and they're making hundreds of thousands of dollars and not paying taxes. You know what I mean? Like, and that's a legitimate reason to be worried about being raided. Like, that's uh, you should be worried. As far as someone growing a few plants in their house uh i don't think anyone has any fear of being raided as far as the legal cultivations go i don't know i've seen i've seen a lot of stuff in the lower 48 as far as uh retail stores and cultivators getting raided and shut down by feds and all that stuff but i just i don't i don't have that fear here i don't know i don't i don't think it's gonna happen when do you do you see uh, cannabis being legalized nationwide, and if so, when? Yeah, for sure. Uh, I mean, I think it's inevitable, really, no matter what. The optimistic side of me would like to say it's probably going to happen in the next five years. Uh, I mean, there's a lot. I think we have like 26 states now with some type of either medical or recreational uh, programs in place. And at least talk of it being legalized federally. Uh, I don't know. I think it's inevitable. It might take another 20, but I don't think so. I think that happened within five. Well, Oklahoma just passed medicinal. Mm -hmm. And one of their state's attorneys was forced to resign because she wrote herself fake death threats. <laughs> I saw that. Yeah. Yeah. I, so grateful we live in America. Like bananas. Like man. that's how you want to get out of having to do work. And and that's really all that is. People are will go so hard to get people will work for twelve hours working on a plan to get out of three hours of work. Yeah. And that's basic and it cost her her job. Yeah. She was like, I don't want to have to write these stupid medicinal <laughs> marijuana laws. Ridiculous. No, no, that's let me just set up a Gmail account while I'm at work, right? And send myself a government <laughs> official with death threat. <laughs> yeah, people are crazy. It's hard. It's hard to navigate uh, the sea of egos out there, as it is. And then you have to deal with the the batshit crazy people. 
um, before we dip out. And now, since you've made it so I can't release this uh, this podcast <laughs> until after Cannabis Cup, uh-huh. since now I can't do that, how did Cannabis Cup go for you guys? Um, so, I mean, it's going to be epic. Regardless. How did it go? Because this, I can't, because this comes out in the future. Like I, yeah. So we need to talk about how it actually went because I can't release this until after it happens. So I need to know about all the awards that your guys won. <laughs> yeah, so we're gonna sweep every category. We won we everything. Yeah. We won. <laughs> yes, hold on. Let me let me unhide myself for a second. We won every category that we entered, <laughs> and a few you didn't, which was we weird. we did enter three entries into the hybrid flower category. So obviously, like as we expected, we took first, second, and third. Yeah. Uh, you know, um, the cuties they they took second. With their hybrid flower, so they were able to hold their own. Um, yeah, other than that, it was a blast. We had fun. Right. Thanks to Lindsay, she hooked it up. Thanks, Lindsay. All right, so here's a quick question then. Sure. You know, going back to this, since uh, since this is in the future, what uh, <laughs> any any cool things that you introduced? Uh, from the, the dudes. Uh, yeah, we now have a Facebook shop on the AK Canada Dudes public page where you can go and buy apparel and hats and hoodies and sweaters and all that stuff and support the group and support the brand. All right. Anyone you want to give any shout-outs to? Yeah, everybody, all the dudes, every every AK Canada dude, and to the cuties. Shout-out to all the high times people here. Um... Red Run Cannabis Company. Uh, I do, I want to say specifically and, and very clearly that William Baker is an amazing human being and I love him. Thank you so much. <laughs> thank you so much. Thanks no. so much for your time, Adam. I yeah, thank it. you. Alright. Alright, and thank you for listening to uh, some more of this podcast because you're a beautiful human being too. Joe, sweet ass. <clears throat>